anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money. So you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. This is host number two, D, coming at you with another episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. It's going to be episode number 89. We're getting really close to 100. Well, nevertheless, there's my favorite word. Uh, this is just a solo thing from me real quick we had some technical difficulties this week the internet didn't want to agree with us working remotely so we're just going to jump straight into the interview and we apologize we hate to just give you guys a really you know kind of empty episode but the interview will be here with connor caldwell from chain of things uh so Without further ado, here's the interview. Sorry, this week we had technical difficulties, and here it is. Uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead and get started. My, uh, so welcome to the podcast, Connor. Um, you are with a representative of Chain of Things. A, um, it's a business that is is kind of flying under the radar for quite a while, but you've been doing things in the space for a long time do you want to give us a little introduction on uh, who you are and what chain of things is and, and what, what kind of what your company is doing uh sure um first of all thanks for having me on uh <clears throat> listen to a number of your things super interesting uh, um i guess uh chain of things we started it about six months ago or now seven i think um sort of just a combination of iot and Blockchain. So I, I had uh, a good friend, uh, a friend who's currently stuck dealing with production exercises in China right now. So uh, Doug, uh, he's been actually in the manufacturing business for over 10 years, uh, building toys, actually. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I've known him since I first lived in Hong Kong uh, for like at least seven years I've known him. So... <clears throat> More recently, after I went back to San Francisco and we started talking more, I, I uh, told me he's actually getting into IoT because toy manufacturing is probably one of the hardest things because you have to build huge volume and it has to be perfect and uh, they usually have some little electronics baked inside of them. So um, one of his partners uh, provides a connectivity solution. So Andy, one of the other guys uh, in this kind of giant group of people, um, he's been last five years, uh, basically developing his own MVNO, um, so like a mobile virtual network operator. So he, he spent a lot of time negotiating uh, roaming contracts with about 95% of the telecoms in the world. So, so he has a little chip that just runs software, not even a SIM card, uh, and it allows 
anything to connect on almost any cellular network, uh, from like Ethiopia to Nepal to to uh, to Texas, Damn. Denver. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so he started working with Doug, and they started working on these little IoT devices that uh, are similar to toys. Um, they just do very simple sensors, so just uh, temperature, GPS, humidity, light. You know, just like five simple senses, no video or anything, uh, anything too heavy, and and just uh, chirp it back over backwater two uh, G that no one cares about anymore. But it's it's perfect perfect size for these like little tiny uh, little tiny bits of data. Um, mm-hmm. So the initial projects that they've been working on are boat tracker uh, that act, that actually it helps governments of uh, developing countries essentially monitor the artisanal fishing craft that, uh, you know, go out. You know, it's actually small boats make up about 95% of all fishing boats in the world. And so they're able to track them, make sure that they stay out of uh, sort of marine reserve areas. And then uh, in doing so, they can prove the provenance of that catch uh, and sell it to Whole Foods for 20% more. Um, and also make sure that they don't completely deplete their natural resource. So, between that and then the, the other project uh, that they're working on right now, um, that they have been, is a, a water flow meter um, with the group Charity Charity Water. And so Charity Water has actually raised, I think, something around like $200 million so far to uh, invest in building wells around the world. Um, but then they found out that something like 60% of the wells were not working, and then people just stopped using them when they weren't working and didn't tell anyone. So... Uh, they they want to they want a Google or grant um, <clears throat> to develop a, a connected device that just measures if a well is functioning or not. So they can literally have a dashboard uh, that shows them every well installation that they've done. Uh, so so you know if you're a donor and you've you've uh, committed a bunch of money and you hope to see that your well is actually working, you can in real time on your phone or on this dashboard uh, actually see see that it is actually indeed working. So, and when then it, when it stops working, then it will just kind of automatically deploy, deploy people to go check it out and, and repair it or fix it. So, so I was very interested in, in um, there are just so many very simple ideas right now because IoT is just completely at its infancy. Uh, so I, I was working with Doug to come up with ID, different ways we could leverage this. And uh, that's, that's sort of when I, I thought, blockchain actually, or, or some form of it would be very interesting to experiment crossing uh, with IoT. Um, when I went back to San Francisco, I kind of met a lot of the early Ethereum guys, maybe like two years ago, uh, probably about two years ago, and, um, and and got completely obsessed with it. I still think it's one of the more, <laughs> most, more if not most fascinating things that I encountered there. Uh, although I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know like how near term or long term the actual uh, feasibility of you know pr- practical world uh, use use cases for it would be. So I just sort of been sitting on that idea for a while. But what about um, uh, Ethereum was so gripping? What about it was so engaging? Like you just you said that I think it was. Uh, I mean, it took took me a while for it to really click. Um, but the idea of what a smart contract could represent, um, I could only think of bad, like 
like if I wind up dead tomorrow, then all these things A, B, and C execute. <laughs> <laughs> all the immediate responses <laughs> are death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then somebody else gave me an example of, uh, in the future, there'll be 3d printed drones that, uh, will just print automatically and go pick up rocks and then drop them over your town. And you can, it will print them faster than you can shoot them down. And I was like, that, that doesn't sound so awesome, but okay. I think I understand what a smart contract is. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Who comes up with those ideas? <laughs> uh, I want a smart contract that when it when a computer when a sensor hears my neighbor's dog bark at 3 a.m a drone flies over to his window and knocks on his window 50 times in a row and that's the contract <laughs> i don't even think you need a smart contract for that but i want one because my neighbor's dog has been pissing me off anyway sorry i don't want to derail this interview keep going no I mean, for <laughs> Yeah, for a while, I could only think of those things until I, I started looking at, uh, I mean, so what Doug had been doing, or, you know, there, there, of course, with IoT, it's a double-edged sword. Like, with any, with any technology of this sort, um, it can be used for good things as well as bad. So, but, but um, the, I think the idea that got Doug and I very excited about it was, was that there, there's so many great ways to leverage this for good, um, either for, I guess, helping people or helping the environment almost more importantly because that, you know, people start to go crazy when the environment dries up. So, <clears throat> so initially our, our, our main focus was all on that and then uh, beginning to explore if, if, uh, if blockchain could actually uh, support IoT uh, in terms of interoperability and security. Um, Hong Kong actually played a big role in that because, you know, we just sit on the board with Shenzhen and, uh, uh, probably 80% of all IoT devices come out of this part of the world right now. Um, and as they, you know, it's all based on cell phone technology, cell phone sensors, and as that has become commoditized down to like almost nothing, uh, it just means that all of these, all of these sensors are just so easy to produce. And, and of course, everyone's just raising ahead and producing them without, without looking at, uh, potential risks of, um, a future with like, uh, 100 billion unsecured devices. So, um, I mean, some of the num- yeah. Sorry to paint a picture, I guess here uh, for our audience. If you haven't, like, I this this there's this scene from a show called Mr. Robot that I like to try and uh, talk to people about when they don't get this idea of a world of sensors that are unsecured, and it's this scene that uh, it's like the it's the first episode of the second season of Mr. Robot where spoiler alert uh, they go into a house. And this, this, <laughs> this house is essentially a smart house. Everything's connected. Everything's together. It's all on one single network. And this lady, this is a very nice house, comes in and nothing's working. Everything's going crazy. Her alarm's going off. Her refrigerator's beeping at her, all kinds of things. And there's nothing she can do about it. And she, her, her entire life, her, the, all the convenience that she's paid for is essentially worthless and has made her life a living hell. All because it was hacked and the security model of all these devices was compromised. I mean, if you if you don't have a network of devices that talk to each other, each other secured, then it's only it's a, it's a it's a devil's playground. And as you extrapolate that across the entire world for kind of uh, economy sized things that devices may be doing, it's a lot more uh, inconvenient than a simple person not being able to get in their house or being a little frustrated. 
I, I would advise anyone to go watch just that episode to get an idea of what it looks like to see a a a network of devices being compromised or hacked into and kind of conse- consequences of that. You make it sound so Bond villainy. It, like, it is, man. But it's like it's people like us, uh, maybe not like us, but the nerds of the Bitcoin world who have this capability to maybe get into something like this. It just takes one nefarious asshole to kind of come in and, and make a big wreck of it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, right now, an IoT is mostly confined to consumer IoT. So like Fitbits and smart coffee making machines and, and, and things that are sort of, you know, kitsch, but not like not super yeah. useful yet. They haven't hit that stage yet. And uh, the consumer IoT segment makes up maybe like 22% of the broader estimates of uh, IoT's impactfulness. So we're just, we're just barely starting to to get into the industrial control systems uh, that, that is exactly what you're talking about, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a house, but uh, when we're talking about like factories and, uh, and uh, utility companies and, and things that um, will employ all of these devices. I think the estimate right now is it was like seven, seven billion connected devices, not including like mobile phones and stuff. And, um, and of course, Intel and Cisco will make uh, very bullish estimates, but their estimates are between 50 and 200 billion with the B devices uh, mm. by 2020. It's not that far away. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that far away. Knowing how you know, easy it's just to, you know, once you have one, you can just print like a million of them without that much difficulty. It's, uh, it's, a, it's sort of troubling. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. It's it's not all it's not all bad though. I mean, so another another interesting stat. Uh, there there are a lot of studies that have tried to put some sort of number on on all of this, and of course, it's all just like estimates at this point. But there's there's a pretty good um, McKinsey uh, report out there that that tries to uh, it, it goes through about 300 different verticals, uh, 300 different vertical applications of IoT, and breaks that into nine different segments. Um, everything from home to medical to factory. Uh, and so the estimate that they give is by 2025, it could have between a four, four and 11% impact on global GDP, which is huge. Um, I mean, that 11% is something like $11 trillion. And that's, that's only one side of one side of the coin. Uh, there's, there's making the devices like the actual potential for building tons of things and then uh, the efficiency increases that those devices uh, bring, mainly due to transparency that they allow into, into systems. Um, but one thing that they do note is that 40% of that 11 trillion, 40 or 11 trillion is not, not obtainable without full interoperability. And so, you know, it, it's very easy to see that we'll run into another standards race, just like VHS and beta. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we've seen that movie many times. So <laughs> um, it, it will either be everyone competing like in their own little sandboxes and then developing proprietary like protocols uh, to make the perfect secure connection and then trying to sell it to everyone else. And um, that will just slow down the industry development. Like it will put all sorts of roadblocks for startups. And, and then it will also uh, probably just mean that people will go without and mm. um, will force it into like an organization. So. The market will decide. I kind of see so that's that the, as the, that's the uh, blockchain or some idea of that comes into play because it should be open and should be free and 
you know, if, if Bitcoin is out there operating with like a $10 billion bug bounty um, and still hasn't really been broken, uh, besides the institutions that hold it, it's just a super liquid sort of pure version of value or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, it's curious. It's, it should at least be investigated uh, and experimented with in the context of IoT. So. I would agree. And I think I feel like there's almost two ways to go about this experimentation. You could either um, create a platform. You see, you know, many people doing many platforms in various areas of, of, of disruption, right? Content creation, uh, IoT. You, you, we saw the whole DAO debacle, but had the DAO not been a debacle, the company behind it may have actually been doing a lot of good work. Uh, and, you know, things like this, you have people creating platforms, and the other side of it is people creating protocols or standards. Um, and some can argue that those are somewhat the same based on the tokenization of your platform. Like, how do you, how, what is Chain of Things doing in terms of um, both of these fronts? Are you, are, you, are you kind of also trying <coughs> to figure out a generalized standard of this type of uh, development and also in creating a platform that uses it? Or what, how's that go? Um, so what we, what we first did, our initial plan of chain of things was, uh, that we were going to go around the world and do maybe like seven hackathons in seven different cities, uh, based on each in different industrial vertical and just sort of, you know, here are the tools, here, here, here are the new leverage points that people have not used or are only starting to understand what is possible. Um, just see what you can create and, uh, and we'll go from there. Um, but, but then we kind of, we kind of backed up a few more steps and, uh, it kind of all, the lowest common denominator of the whole thing is security. And so it's like, we felt it was a responsible thing to, uh, to just approach that question first. And so, um, that was like, maybe we would do this through a series of case studies. Uh, so we, we, we would take, um, a specific vertical for an industrial deployment of IoT that is supported by uh, a blockchain type system, and then and then go th- go through every layer of that stack and and look at all the potential major security sort of hinge points, and mm-hmm. and then when we when we did that, we could start to identify possible solutions to each each one of those. Uh, that's we we had our first conference in uh, in London on June first. Um, I want to say last year, but that was only a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, that was that was based on uh, a number of partners that we we, uh, we kind of found that uh, some of them came to us, and then we just started talking to them. But um, this thing called SolarCoin, um, they might actually be an interesting group for you to talk to as well. Uh, so their their goal is to use instead of uh, proof of work, uh, proof of generation. So if you build a solar pa- panel and you're, you're able to prove that you know, you're actively generating X amount of kilowatt hours uh, a day, uh, they, will, they will reward that proof with, uh, with a, you know, a reward token or solar coin. Right now, it's only based on a rewards rail, but eventually, you know, if you have, if you have uh, a completely immutable proof that you're, you're not generating uh, carbon dioxide the atmosphere, then, you know, you can leverage that for a huge number of different things. Uh, everything from like, you know, we're talking about the, the flow sensors, like for in, impacting investment and accountability to carbon credits, to, uh, scientific research. Oh, but there's just so many different things you can leverage that for. So, so we kind of joined up with them and 
do the case study. It's, it's on the website right now. But, um, and that in itself is sort of an experiment as to like how, how, how is the best process to explore this, uh, this sort of question. Um, so now it, after that, we've, we've uh, entered a joint venture with, with uh, one of the groups there that is moving, uh, I suppose, moving to create a, a data logger device that uh, has inside of it a, a, a blockchain hardware oracle, which is what we're calling it, sort of a new new idea, um, which which goes back down to the, the, the sort of the foundation of the security issue that we found with IoT, which is a device identity. Um, this is where it gets sort of uh, we call these we call the devices sort of uh, baby AIs now. <laughs> Um, Gotta come up with the name somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so right now, right now, most of these connected devices have you know simple identifiers called IMEI numbers, which uh, attribute them to like like specifically the the roaming, this sort of like global roaming contract negotiation that went on. So each device has its own like number that identifies itself. That of course you know can be spoofed or faked in many ways. So we mm. we started to look at. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, the, the blockchain might be secure and all, but like it's it's worthless if the data you're putting on it is is crap. Um, so you need to know what data to trust and what data you can't trust. Uh, so we we've started looking at um, basically hashing firmware. Um, so we we also we also uh, submitted a patent in June at this first conference uh, for sort of a process. And and, and the other thing with this IP, we're kind of just locking down IP so that it can be um, opened. <laughs> uh, and so other people don't lock it, other maybe larger organizations that it would be more in their interest to. More of an Elon Musk approach to IP. Sort of. And we, we also want to, we also want to, when we can actually push this hardware out, which should be hopefully soon, uh, we want to push it out to everyone we can and, and, and actually motivate people to try to break the things. Because uh, that's, that's the only way you know, we see like crowdsourcing, like that bug, bug development is, is probably one of the best ways to make sure that it's actually sound. Um, but sorry, I, <clears throat> back to that firmware thing. I mean, I, so the idea is that, that uh, every time a transaction is recorded, uh, the device will, uh, it will contain the private key on like a write-only module that's on the actual board. And then before it sends everything, it will, it will uh, sort of, take a combined hash of all of the firmware on each sensor module on that board. And then it will line it up to uh, a hash provided by the OEM that is on a different chain. So if those hashes don't match, then someone has messed with a couple digits of mm. firmware, those sensors. And we can't prevent that. I mean, trying to prevent that is, is a very difficult, if not, I mean, it's basically impossible right now to pre- prevent somebody from hacking your device, but we just want to make sure that it can be flagged as uh, tampered with so that data should not be trusted or not be as trustworthy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're, we're starting with. We, we also are, are looking at uh, placing multiple onboard sensors that don't, that measure all environmental like factors uh, around that board. So right now, I mean, you have, you, like if you do a transaction, you have two very simple like identifiers. It's like your private key and, or, and, uh, and basically the time and date of the transaction. That's it's, it's very, it's very two dimensional or flat in a way. Um, and so the idea of putting 
five different environmental sensors on this board. Uh, create, create like a, a richer, um, a deeper picture as to like that sensor's current state in the world, where it is. And also more, more factors that can uh, flag it if it's being physically tampered with, which is another thing. So, you know, if you open the case and then all of a sudden the ten- temperature fluctuates and like the light sensor like goes off, it's like, you know, that something, something not normal is going on based on, uh, based on its previous history of operation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just, just more things to give. That's where we joke about the baby AI because we're, we're slowly creating like a richer identity card for, uh, <laughs> for these devices, <laughs> um, that will, will hopefully help. I call it a bam, bam. Personality. A bam. <laughs> yeah. Like that old Flintstones. Trying to, yeah. Bam, bam. Trying to figure out like what best to call these little things. So, yeah, I feel like nomenclature is, is uh, almost half the battle of working in this scene and not yeah. reusing the, the crappy names that everyone already has or coming up with a name that actually kind of doesn't sound like Skynet yeah. or and also pre- pre- you know presents an analogy that someone who is completely outside of the scene is like, oh, that makes sense. Like that's almost impossible. <laughs> the names, yeah. names are so bad. They're so bad. Just Bitcoin in and of itself, capital B, little b is different. Everyone thinks that's stupid. I thought it was stupid the first time I figured it out. But just the naming conventions. Well, yeah, yeah. So when we start to get into the case studies in different industries, it's like they have their own index of uh, acronyms and stuff that uh, when we start creating all these new acronyms and merging it with those, it becomes a complete uh, confusing mess of things. So yeah, it's like uh, writing, <laughs> writing a book in English and Spanish and French all at the same time. And you're just like, what the hell? I don't... Well, anyways, so, Here's a question that you guys probably don't think about too much at Chain of Things, because it seems like you're building everything. Security is definitely numero uno, which it should be. Um, but to the everyday Kathy out there who, you know, there's 1.23 billion of them on Facebook taking probably 5.5 selfies a week, you know, 5.5 billion selfies is that internet going to be affected by the internet of all of these sensors and all of these hardware devices talking to each other? Because if it is, there's going to be an outlash from Kathy and her cohorts. So, how do you mean that? Do you mean like it's in terms of uh, bandwidth or? Yeah, is there just enough um, physical space for Kathy to send her selfies to Jessica and my car to talk to? the traffic lights that talk to my router to let me know I'm coming home and start warming up uh, my burger yeah. or something. Is there I enough mean, that's, space for it? That, that's, a, that's a huge other side to this whole problem too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, right, right now, <clears throat> and uh, uh, the other guy who, who uh, Doug's partner, Andy, um, who's on the telecom side, like he, he sort of knows this stuff inside out and it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a big, uh, the way that I see it right now in the world is um, that it's sort of, there's a division between uh, communicating all this information back through the pipes that already exist, um, which are the telecoms. And that's very tricky because they're all hugely bureaucratic, like very standard traditional companies. Um, mm-hmm. And you can even see how, like, you know, what's, WhatsApp took down SMS and, uh, like, that's right. amazingly, I think it was like three years ago, I was reading that the, 
40% of Verizon's profit margin was made up by SMS, which yeah. is kind of a wow. crazy thing um, to be dependent on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the telecoms have it. It's a very complicated ecosystem on that side because it's like, you know, you drive around and you see like three towers all built right next to each other because they're owned by different, uh, different carriers, but they all yep. do the same thing. And so the, the goal like, so on, the, on that side of things, it's, you know, if you could unify everyone and basically create like some sort of global roaming or interoperability, like he's already trying to do, um, then, then, you know, they could basically have a big layer of the problem solved, especially with like 5G coming online and, and big, big idea of IoT is, is to use, to use that spectrum. But, um, the, that, 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 that's more of like a sort of political issue of getting them to work together. Um, in terms of how many devices they can handle, that's a different mm. question. Um, the, the other th- on the other side of it uh, are all these, uh, I want to say free protocol options, but everything from like, you know, Bluetooth to NFC to LoRa to they're, they're like, I think they're I don't know, maybe like seven or eight different um, different connectivity options that don't require like a service plan. I mean, they, they will all have to go back to a base base station before they go into the, go back into the, you know, the cloud or to the fog or to like whatever it ends up being. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a giant question. We're, we're almost not directly focusing on that right now, just because it is, you know, we're on 7 billion devices. We're not, we're not quite getting into that 200 billion. We're not focusing on it ourselves, but people within our, our organization are definitely a hundred percent like focused on, on how these things talk because, you know, below, or I would say maybe security is below that, but, uh, that, that's definitely, uh, communication protocol is one of the main foundational points to all the internet. So yeah, yeah. it will, it will become a, a big, bigger question. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it goes from swamped, uh, 7 yeah. billion to 200 billion, there's going to be some issues there, but I guess there's people working on it. They'll get it. They'll get yeah. it figured out. <laughs> like if you had to just sum it up in terms of like what 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 all of the things that you're working on is that it's the the possibilities and use cases and cool ideas you could do are just endless. But it's complicated as shit, and it's it's really hard to do all of these things, and it, especially with security, you know, being your number one idea, your like your 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 main focus, but. If you nail it down, you can essentially apply this to any type of idea with connecting people to do certain things and, and have like a, a, a trustworthy data flow for companies that want just want to do something new. And you have the you seem to have like both the hardware and software stack to kind of start to address these issues and provide solutions, which is I think it's like the next five years is going to be pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, one one thing is for sure. It's like this is not a project that could be done by any any single person. It's like it, it takes the complete efforts of a huge. It's like a super stack of sort of people because um, now it's it spans past software. It's like into hardware, which is crazy difficult on like all different ways, all the way down to like communication protocols. And Even then the software like on the hardware is is, is specialized yeah, for yeah. this type of thing. Yeah, and, and, and I mean the other thing that we're looking at. So Adam, Adam, uh, another one of our our co-founders, he's um, 
So crypto lawyer, that doesn't sound superhero-ish enough. But uh, <laughs> uh, so he, he, looks, he looks at the legal side of this, which is another huge question, because if you're going to trust these devices to, um, so like, for example, one of our, our new case studies that we're just starting uh, to work on right now has to do with bills of lading for, for the entire logistics and shipping industry. Um, and so like looking at how, how you can rely on data from a legal perspective, like it's one thing to like, you know, have your whatever thing tell you it's raining and then your umbrella lights up, you know, that's one thing, but, but having to depend on it as like a completely legal binding contract, uh, that, that's a whole different story. Probably something that is uh, too far off. I mean, it's a little far off in the future to trust these things hundred percent. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, the, the, the truth is IoT is so much in its infancy, and and the the multitude of, of different applications you can leverage just simple industrial IoT for are just starting to develop right now. Um, that's like hard enough to explain to most companies mm-hmm. or industries alone, let alone this like even more sort of esoteric layer of blockchain on top of that. <laughs> so do you feel like so, the, your, the your hardest part of your sell to a large company is just getting them to understand the idea of what they're doing and the legal ramifications? And then all of the work you're doing in terms of the blockchain application of security is going to be like, yeah, it's secure. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, in a way. I mean, it's... Uh, Don't worry about that. It's the, main, the main focus is honestly, it is IoT. Because it's, it's like that. that is where the the majority of the leverage, at least in immediate terms, will come from. Um, I, I I joke, and I hope I don't offend too many. I, sometimes I offend people about just joking, blowing off blockchain. I'm just like, you know, it's like the kids nowadays in Snapchat, it's like they don't care about the Internet. They're like, it just works. It's always been there. I've never known a world where it hasn't been there, even though it's obviously, like, incredible thing. So I mm-hmm. I think that, that uh, blockchain is, there's obviously a lot of hype around it, and, you know, we're smashing two of the most hyped up tech industry buzzwords together, which is sort of silly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> blockchain really will, it will just uh, may not fade into the background, but it, it will just become like sort of a standard standard uh, foundational piece to how this this uh, type of world operates in the future. It will have to, or something like it. Um, but it doesn't mean that people need to know it by name. Um, most people don't, you know need to know how things work or just that they do and they have a proven track record. Of Average Joe just doesn't perfect. care. They're yeah, not I mean, people don't have the bandwidth to, like, to know all that stuff. So, <laughs> See, that's that's why I represent Kathy and her selfies. Those are important to me because I know they're important to her. And because <laughs> I know she's, she's not giving a damn about protocols. Um, but, it, yeah. you know, it is important. It's funny when you said take the two hype words and smash them together for some reason i pictured like a board meeting at a at coke i mean let's take coke and sprite and just smash them together and make the perfect soda like the same company isn't it i think it is damn it Corey, you call me on everything (laughs) you got a couple better analogies coke and seven up i knew you'd call me on that anyways uh but somebody's got to represent the Cathy's and because a lot of this stuff, and like you said, I just came from being a teacher. I was a teacher for four years. They've never not lived with the internet. So they just kind of use it for the dumbest things imaginable. And they don't really realize, you know, how powerful it is. And then I feel like the old head 
when I'm like, back in my day, we had to remember a 64-character URL. And our web browser didn't remember it for us. And you type one character in wrong, you never get to go to that website again, ever. It's just gone. So <laughs> so it's I'm, I'm interested to see how blockchain and Bitcoin and all these technologies uh, develop throughout the years and start affecting people's lives, and they have no idea. And so... I don't know. So where yeah, do I mean, you see this going? You you just started changing things. You said eight to nine months ago, right? And things in this industry grow fast, fast as hell. Like just in the four years since Corey introduced me to Bitcoin, so much has happened. That I can't even keep up with it. So where do you see this stuff going in five years? Like what's your ultimate minority um, report vision of the future? Well, so, so most, most recently we, uh, we were invited down to uh, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania to give a talk um, about a month, a uh, month and a half ago or so. On uh, at, at, so uh, this organization, the GSMA, which is it's like global telecommunications standard standards body. Um, they're just all over the world. So they they have this thing called mobile, I think mobile three hundred and sixty uh, that takes place all over the world. And like this one was uh, focused in Africa. Africa is. Uh, very far ahead in terms of uh, application of industrial IoT on on like a, a practical uh, in, uh, practical scale. So um, maybe you guys have heard of M-Pesa, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is a not blockchain based, but sounds very similar to like a Venmo or anything like that. But it's mm-hmm. just you know based on uh, the, the hilarity of it is. It, <laughs> It's it's still it still operates through text messages, yeah. So <laughs> as advanced of a general model as it is, um, it's still sort of antiquated in terms of the uh, the, the actual uh, uh, technology. There, there's it's not had its WhatsApp moment uh, yet. Um, anyway, mm. so uh, so from M-Pesa came uh, an idea called M-Copa, which uh, basically uh, are these like tiny pico cell like solar cell panels um, that uh, connect to a box in your house and it lights like five light bulbs and a bunch of USB so you can charge your phone and like radio and a TV. And uh, I think they have currently like, I don't know, 200,000 customers. That's it. Um, but uh, the main point is there are now 30, co- uh, sorry, the, back up a little bit you you pay you pay your bill for this device it's like it's like because there there's no infrastructure currently connecting a lot of places and so they they can deploy these little packages these kits essentially um and there is self cell signal out there and so you you essentially pay your bill um day to day uh by text messaging and pay some money and it, it allows your solar panel to turn on if you don't pay it it turns off the box cuts it off hmm. um and then you just text it money and it turns back on again. And so that, that concept is being rolled out to all sorts of different utilities. Uh, um, so that, that's what this GSMA conference was about. It was about, uh, it was basically all the telecoms in Africa, along with all the energy companies and utility companies. Uh, so it's, it's, it's sort of sidestepping traditional industry because like the current option for how to bring power or other utility services or even connectivity to a lot of these areas would be wait wait for a giant energy company to uh, to set up a huge centralized uh, power plant, which you know only services big cities and 
could take like 10 to 15 years to roll out to the countryside and stuff. So it's like already people are using, using this, uh, in reality and, 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 uh, your, your Kathy example, it's like most people have now just been using this, uh, this sort of completely off the grid style service that you pay through like an I, like a IOT, uh, um, sort of setup uh, and don't think twice about it. It's just become a normal part of people's lives. So, hmm. um, I think, well, so that, that is probably on the most like basic, uh, basic level in the long term. Um, all these IOT devices will basically become like a nervous system. So, uh, if you think about your Tesla driving down the road, uh, it will probably, you know, have on all its onboard sensors and, visual recognition and like all this stuff to like help it help it navigate like in its immediate area. But if it wants to know if there's like a thunderstorm, like a mile down the road and how it should like act, especially if like all the Teslas on the road want to know that so that they can all behave in the most efficient manner. Um, it's, it's not going to Google it. It's going to, it's going to do its own AI version of Googling into this uh, cloud or, or multiple, uh, multiple blockchain streams of, of different data points. And then it will basically crawl around those different layers until it finds information that it needs. So that's sort of where we we see it going in the long term, uh, that there will be blockchains for this and that and all sorts of things. And that uh, some will be some some layers of that data will be private that uh, can be accessed through a paywall. But then other ones will be by the people who own the actual sensors. Uh, and then the other ones will just uh, provide public um public data on, on, on useful stuff or you know the governments could buy these and um, provide like the public with all sorts of very useful information at high resolution so um, so yeah I mean, we basically see this as like you know we get out of our phones and google things and we want to find out where to go and like you know AI AI will, uh, will google through this to find out exactly what they need to know to uh, be able to navigate the world um, oh, damn yeah it's a little it's a little weird um, <laughs> that, that's definitely one <laughs> but uh, all the roads, all the roads for that have to be, have to be built now. So um, that will take should, a little while. We should probably come up <laughs> with a different name than artificial intelligence. Cause I feel like sci-fi has done such a great job of painting that as the gates of hell that <laughs> no one even is willing to accept it. They're like, Ooh, artificial intelligence. No, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, just call it autonomous machine learning because machine learning grew out of AI and they just make it autonomous and then forget that it's ever came out of AI. AML. That's good. Something different than artificial intelligence because people just hate that. Topic. I mean, sci- sci-fi does uh, – it's it's good that it paints like a bad picture of it because um, there's a lot to be considered before just charging ahead into this. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, with any technology like this, it's a double-edged sword, so – uh, we need to know how to use it. I mean, probably like um, it's probably just more of like human function too. It's like this: the stuff can operate fine on its own. It's when we add the human element to the mix is when it becomes unpredictable and uh, flies off the rails. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah. that's that's sort of sort of is always the trend. But. <laughs> All right, so we allowed you to kind of expand out and kind of. Uh, dream about what the future may hold let's let's constrain you a little bit with the with the last question and uh in 10 words or less can you describe blockchain um i think i would just say like 
just an evolution of all the systems that we, we currently have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> I think I listened to one of your other uh, questions like this, and it ended up being like 50 words long. Um, uh, I, I don't want to be too cheesy. So Alex Tapscott, one of our, uh, one of our advisors and, and, and friends, chain of things, said, uh, he just calls it a trust protocol in his book, Blockchain Revolution. So trust trust protocol for all connected devices. Nice. I'm actually reading that book currently, so that's six. Wait, it's there's a, good, a book? It's a good book. I'll send it to you, D. It's a good uh, it's a great high level uh take that, that shows uh, Can it fit on this Kindle right here? Because this is yes. how I read all yes. my things. Yes. Yeah. Alright. Six all right, six. six words is good. That's really good. Well, uh, I we like that question. I like that question. It's, Corey, Cello, we all like it because it's like, if you can't take a very complex thing and Dr. Seuss it, then it's not really worth even existing, really. I mean, I mean, it's worth existing, but people have to understand this stuff. And so if you can take it, Dr. Seuss it down, boom, then you've got something that's kind of magical, something that can actually change behaviors and change people so i did find yeah it, uh, that's the hardest thing to try to communicate this at the gsma thing i had to try to explain blockchain to the telecom industry people and uh, utility true. energy people <laughs> uh there was uh, there was a lot of fascination about it uh, I, I think everyone's very interested because you know it sounds amazing but then there's this huge element that you just simply don't understand until you really dive into like the the SHA-256 process, which I think is the most interesting part. But but until you really do that, it's just it's, it's just cloaked in sort of mystery. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I used I use the analogy of the Google spreadsheet, even though that's all still centralized at one point. But, you know, if you're working on a, a shared write-forward-only write Google spreadsheet that's uh, shared between, like, a bunch of different people, it's like that – people told me that that really clicked uh, – made the, the ledger concept click for them and that it's like this immutable history that gets written down and can never be changed and that everyone sees. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, maybe I should have said that as my 10 minutes. But. <laughs> it's too next late time, now. Next time you come on, you got you got an answer. Yep. I have to hold off till then though. Well, all right. <laughs> Connor, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was, it was great. It was enlightening, um, to see that the internet is going to upgrade. It sounds like, uh, it needs an upgrade. So, uh, you know, just thanks. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, thank you for having me on. Anytime. Awesome. Uh, if there's any, like, super-duper updates, you know where to go. Just just shoot us an email, and you can come right back, and we'll talk about more Chain of Things things. Definitely. We have many more inter- in- interesting people with uh, weird perspectives on this as well. So Cool. Keep in touch. Will do. All right. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thanks.